when you write checks, you can say arigato, arigato, arigato while you write checks, or thank you, thank you, thank you while you write checks. It gives you a good feeling because the money you're paying to, the money is making somebody happy, and that gives you joy. So next time you you have a hard time feeling happy about writing, you know, checks, just say thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me the opportunity to bless people with my money. Thanks for pressing play. That voice you just heard is Ken Honda. And in Japan, he sold over 8 million books. And he's got a new book out called Happy Money. And this is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, where we aspire to have real dialogues, not over-edited interviews with the amazing people who are making our world a different place. We're sponsored by Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business and get a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry today at netsuite.com slash different. I also want to tell you about my friends at One Life Fully Lived. This is a nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. I've been involved with this organization, frankly, since before it was an organization. <laughs> and I want to invite you to our annual conference, October 12th and 13th, 2019, in beautiful Long Beach, California. Speakers include billionaire entrepreneur Jeff Hoffman, uh, venture capitalist Cody Sanchez, and best-selling author John Vroman, and myself, just to name a few. So go to onelifefullylive.org today slash Lockhead for more information. On this episode, the truly wonderful Ken Honda. He's authored over 50 books, and as I said off the top, he sold over 8 million of them in his home country of Japan. To say he's a big damn deal there is a massive understatement. We have a riveting conversation about how to have a powerful relationship with money. Um, and, you know, most conversations you hear in our world about money are how to make money, how to manage money, uh, how to budget, how to plan these things. This conversation is more about the role of money in your life and your relationship with money. And I loved having it. And I think you're going to love listening to it. Go to lockhead.com for the show notes and key takeaways and more for Ken ha more on Ken Honda and his amazing new book. Now, hey-ho, let's go. So let's get into this book. What do you mean by happy money? Okay. So happy money is money that um, makes you smile when you receive it and uh, also gives you joy when you spend it. So in other words, when you think of that money, oh, I'm so happy. That's happy money. You know, uh, like this morning, I watched the CNN and I didn't get the name, but Afri African-American, very wealthy person, He's, he said, made a speech and he's going to uh, take care of all the uh, college loans for many hundred kids, a hundred of, of graduates, right? That's happy money. He doesn't get anything out of doing that, but he must feel so happy to lift, lift off all the burden from senior students, you know, from college loan, which yes. is killing many young people. Yes. So that's happy money. Yes, it is. Exactly. Now, it's interesting because, uh, and maybe it's different in Japan, you'll tell me, here, the money books that I tend to see, and maybe I'm only seeing a certain kind, I'm certainly not an expert in this area, but my general impression, Ken, is that yes. most of the books we have about money here are generally, in one way or another, how to make money. 
Yes, Some that's of them true. Are how to invest money, how to save money. You know, there's books about budgeting. And so, mm-hmm. but most of them deal with, uh, if I could put it this way, the mechanics of money. Yes. You've written a book and it, you tell me how you think about it. But the way I thought about it is this is really about my relationship with money. That's true. Is that a fair, is that how you feel or how, how do you feel about this book? Um, I'm often called uh, money healer and uh, I, I feel so honored to be called that way. Now, I heal people's relationship with money. So I teach uh, financial independence too, but I focus more on how to heal your relationship with money. You know, uh, we have such a terrible relationship with money. We worry so much. We feel bad. We feel so frustrated with, with money in general. So unless we heal our relationship with money, we cannot have a healthy life because we are so restricted because of money issues. And it's not in the U.S., it's in Japan. China, India, Africa, Europe, all over the world. We are so frustrated with many situations. Yes. And so I have thought this for a long time. And sometimes people look at me with a crazy tilt or a crazy look in their eye when I say to them, um, it's about your relationship with money. It's not actually about money. Yes. And I almost feel like they look at me like, no, what are you talking about? And, and, Here's what I found that um, I know uh, ski and surf bums who live on very little money and surf and ski every day and have a great time and enjoy their life. And um, maybe they would want for a few more things, but in general are very happy and have enough money to fund the kinds of things they want in their lives. And they seem generally happy. So Mm -hmm. I know that and... And I know billionaires who are miserable. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, Ken, I knew this guy who, I don't know exactly how much he was worth, but roughly $100 million. And there's a lot yeah. of wealthy people in Silicon Valley. And he was um, complaining to me about how much he and his wife fight. Yes. And I said to him, we'll just call him Jim. I said, well, Jimmy, what do you guys fight about? And he says, we fight about money constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and I almost fell over. I'm like, I know you're worth about a hundred. I didn't say this to him, but you're <laughs> like, what could yeah. you fucking possibly be fighting about money about uh, other than maybe where to give it. Um, <laughs> and it, it was in moments like these over time, I, I learned that it really is often not about how much money you have or don't have, but it's about our mm-hmm. relationship with money. Yes. And so you write about how people have money wounds. Mm-hmm. Why is it so many of us have, you know, a, a less than positive or less than powerful relationship with money? You know, it's because all of us are hurt in one way or another. Like uh, financially challenged people uh, have a hard time dealing with money because they cannot make both ends meet. So they feel shame around money. And middle-class people feel that they're so frustrated with money because they are making both ends meet, but it's barely, you know, so uh, they feel frustrated. And upper middle class people are also feeling that somebody's taking advantage of them. That's why they're working so hard. They graduate from good college, but they have to pay back the loan and mortgages. Something is wrong 
So like they feel also frustrated. And the wealthy people uh, feel funny guilt around money. And uh, uh, so, you know, it, everywhere and everyone feels somewhat um, frustrated with money. So that's why we are so um, controlled by money, in other words, you know, in a, in a, from a different um, perspectives. So when you have enough money in the bank, probably you don't have to worry about it. That's what a lot of people think. But as you said uh, about Jimmy, you know, even though you have uh, millions of dollars in your bank account, it's nothing to do with your happiness. So you don't have to have a, uh, a lot of money in the bank to be happy. So if you can somehow heal your money wounds and transform your relationship with money, you can be happy forever. You know, it takes up a little practice, but not too much. I, I, I so love... I think you're doing awesome work and I'm so stoked about this book. There's this expression that I've loved for years. Do you mm -hmm. own your money or does it own you? Yes, exactly. And many of us, and at points in my life, this was true for me. It hasn't been true for quite some time, but because um, I think today I have a, a pretty healthy relationship with money. Not always, but in general. Um, but there were certain points in my life, Ken, where I felt more owned by money and I learned a few things along the line that sort of got me unstuck from that. But I'm curious, mm -hmm. if, if I was somebody who felt um, like I had money wounds and mm -hmm. I didn't have a healthy relationship with money, that I was yeah. you know, in one of these places that you just described or maybe some other place, but I, I, I was generally disempowered by money. Where, where would you guide me to start to, to you know, heal my quote-unquote money wounds? Yeah, so... Um one of my mentors is uh, Mr. Wahei Takeda, who's called Warren Buffett of Japan. I had the fortune of meeting him in person. So, so I asked him, what is the secret to wealth and happiness? And he said, there's only one thing. Arigato, your money. Thank you, money. And I just didn't get it. <laughs> like, you know, the, Mr. Miyagi uh, from Karate Kid tells you, uh, like, you know, walks in, walks out. You know, it's the same thing. When the money comes in, arigato. When, when money goes out, also arigato. So in other words, he, money coming in and money going out. If you start uh, practicing this, you focus on appreciation. And once you focus on appreciation, you feel distracted uh, from money worries. Because he said, uh, if you focus on uh, gratitude, you cannot worry at the same time because human mind can focus only one thing at a time. So uh, start appreciating what you have in your mind, uh, in, in your life. But by doing that, you begin to feel uh, more gratitude and that it opens a door to healing. But unless uh, you uh, find some gratitude about your life, you feel always frustrated. And after that, you know, there are a few things that you can do next. But gratitude is a first key. And anybody can do that. Uh, it doesn't really matter how much you have in your bank account. Now, what if I'm in this more sort of shame, frustrated place? I could hear you mm -hmm. talk and say, well, that sounds great. And you have this wonderful Zen vibe to you and you're mm -hmm. this guru from Japan and stuff. And yeah. so th that's, it sounds awesome. But you know, the truth is Ken, um, yes. 
you know, I, I am having a hard time making ends meet. And I, I feel, yes. you know, I think a lot of people, and I have felt this way at times in my life as well, we feel a slave to money, right? Well, you know, we got to yes. pay the rent and we got to, so we're trying to make ends meet, but at the same time, we're quote unquote trying to get ahead. We want to save for our retirement. We, you know, in my case, I don't have children, but if you have children, then there's a huge finance. And so I think a lot of people, um, you know, I, I watched this uh, documentary recently on people who have, have become sort of extreme in, in, what do they call it? The minimalists, uh, you know, where they, yes. they live in tiny houses and they only have uh-huh. like one pair of pants and, you know, like I have very little <laughs> of everything and yeah. they like enjoy themselves much more. And so I, I, I guess my point in this is, I think some people can feel like they're a victim to it. Like they've got to keep mm-hmm. feeding this monster and they, they can't get past some point. And so they're angry and frustrated and pissed off and they could get angry at the system. And, you know, it could lead to a bunch of negativity. And so if I'm in one of these yes. more negative places and I feel somewhat a victim of, of having to make money, um, mm-hmm. how would you guide me then? You know, it's just the numbers. Even if you have a hard time making both ends meet, just you know, breathe in deep and then relax, because if you cannot make both ends meet, you're you're not going to be dead, but you feel like you're going to die. So that is why we associate money with for survival. First of all, you have to detach money from survival. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of us worry so much, and then we feel uh, without money, we're going to be dead. We won't die. You know, the worst uh, case scenario, you end up with no money, but that doesn't kill you. Money worry kills you, or the fear of not having money kills you. So uh, real, real security lies in not in money, but uh, the trust in the future. And if you have enough good friends, even if you have a hard time making both ends meet, um, they're going to help you. So... Uh, I think uh, real insurance, if you want to have some, is um, security in people. I always say uh, in my seminar, if you have uh, 50 friends who let you stay for a week, you are okay. Because, you know, start just staying with the first friend and second. And after 52 weeks, you can go back to your friend number one and say, long time no see. If you have 52 friends, you don't need... Uh, an Airbnb. You don't need to pay rent. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, just an idea. So, so uh, then, once, uh, if I could interrupt you, w- yeah. are you saying we confuse money and security? Yes. And that real security comes from our friends and our relationships, the people in our lives? Yes. And, and, and we are so afraid that money is uh, the source of security, but it's not. Your friends will be. So, for example, you know, one by one, you have to release fear and anxiety around money because money is not the source of your fear. Money doesn't guarantee your security. Unless you understand the basic principles around money and emotions, you feel like you have to have money. That's why you cannot uh, start living your true life. So yes. uh, you have to heal your um, shame and anxiety, fear, and, and worry about money. And that's the first step. And unless you do that, it, it's just a, a strange automatic mechanism. You know, you go into panic, oh, you know, and you have a hard time breathing. You know, I can't do anything. But then um, if you relax, 
you know, things happen and, and nobody dies of not making both ends meet. But worries kill you. It's such a fascinating insight. And I, I do want to talk to you about, uh, yes. and if I'm saying it wrong, please uh, help me, Karoshi. Mm-hmm. Karoshi, yes. Where, they, where you work yourself to death. But uh, before we get yeah. there, in chapter two, Ken, um, you make this, what I think is incredibly important distinction between money IQ and money EQ. Yes. And as we were talking about at the beginning, I think most books, most things I hear about money are on the IQ dimension. And look, mm-hmm. is it important to understand how you know, your taxes work and how investments work and how you should budget and how you should you know, spend less than you make and you know, all the good mechanical things? Those things, of course, right. are incredibly important. Yes. But you're one of the few uh, people I see really talking about the emotional side. So could you sort of explain what you mean by mm-hmm. money EQ? So money EQ is uh, the one I found out in my 20s. I realized that there, there are so many smart people making bad choices in their financial life and they, they go bankrupt and I didn't get it. They're the smartest people you know, coming from the top university but make lousy choices. And I realized that they're messed up emotionally. That's why I made uh, bizarre uh, uh, decisions around money. And then I realized that uh, unless you have a healthy relationship emotionally, you cannot be wealthy and happy at the same time. So I came up with this four principles of money EQ. Number one is uh, receive well. You know, uh, We have a hard time receiving money receiving kindness, uh, receiving support from uh, uh, people. You know, uh, all of us are uh, so happy to give, but we have a hard time uh, in receiving. So that's number one. And, and we're not uh, a good receiver to begin with. And number two is appreciate money, you know, appreciation, uh, uh, gratitude, and, and also appreciating what money is because money can be such a, convenient super superman type of power that gives you plane tickets gives you hotels uh place to live and you can support your friends and causes with money so if you can appreciate money you feel like you want more so that's eq number two and eq number three is to trust this is the hardest one for all most of the money worries and fears is because we don't have enough trust uh, for our future. So our issue is not trusting the money flow. It's, it's just trusting the future. So if you can trust our life, you know, that somebody is going to take care of us if we fall, we feel so relaxed and start following our true, true calling. So uh, this trust the money flow in life is super important. That's number three. And the last one, number four, is share your money. Like the African uh, billionaire, uh, African-American billionaire did, if you have enough, you will find joy in sharing. And the more you share, the, the, the happier you get. You know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you give a dollar uh, to a, a Salvation Army or a $100 million. It's the same feeling that you get to share what you have. And yes. then that, that gives you joy. Yes. It's, a, it's an extraordinary thing to be at a place in life 
uh, where you can share money. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't have to be wealthy. Yes. You share a very small amount of money that can bring a smile to somebody's face or you can share a lot of money if you have more money, but regardless of the size, um, my wife and I years ago around Christmas time started to do things like, you know, leave an extraordinary large tip uh, Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, at at a coffee shop or at a restaurant, or if you sort of ran into like a fast food restaurant for a quick lunch or something, um, hand the person, behind the cash a hundred dollars and say, please, please buy everybody behind me their lunch. Wow. Or little little things along these lines. So we started to do it around the Christmas holiday. And then we had this aha, Ken, which is why not just do that whenever? (laughs) And so we don't have to wait for the holidays. And so anyway, my point is it's not like we do it all day, every day, but it's Mm -hmm. now and more in the front of our minds. And I'll tell you, when you give um, when you give a server in a restaurant, by way of example, a hundred dollar tip, just cause. I mean, you know, you're you're the kind of guy who's very in tune with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a transformative thing for both of you. Yes. Yeah. And it it, give, it gives both the giver and the receiver at the same time. That's well, what Happy Money does. We had um, incredible author Sebastian Younger on the podcast a while back. He wrote um, The Perfect Storm, if you know that book, which became mm-hmm. a movie. And his most recent book is a wonderful book called Tribe. It's all about how human beings need connections and community and so mm-hmm. forth. It's a, it's a fascinating, spectacular. Anyway, one of the things he shared with me, Ken, is he quoted several studies that showed in terms of the chemicals in our brain, the dopamine and other kind of reward oriented chemicals we get from doing positive things in the world that Mm -hmm. the giver gets more than the receiver. I agree. Yeah. So let me make sure we got the four here. So receive well, Mm -hmm. appreciate and have gratitude. Yes. Mm -hmm. Trust in particular, trust in the future that, that you're going to be okay. Right. And the fourth one, which we've been on, which maybe is my favorite, is the share one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing on the share one that's, that's wonderful is if you get to a place in life where um, uh, you can share with friends and family who particularly get into a challenging spot. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opportunity, you know, uh, over the last year or so, have several friends and family members who, for one reason or another in life, were in a bit of a challenging spot. And mm-hmm. when you can ease somebody's pain, when you can, when you can help a, a sick friend who now isn't going to have to worry about that part, but can focus on money or somebody making a transition in their life from you know, one thing to another, and there's some risk associated, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. These various situations that we have friends and family in, if you're in a position to alleviate some of that, um, mm-hmm. it really is an extraordinary thing. Yes, yeah. So, you know, I, I always enjoy giving uh, people money. And also I ask uh, my students to do the same thing. And my vision is about this happy money thing is that if all of us, middle class and above, start sharing 10% of what we have and what we make, to something, uh, you know, a good cause or uh, people who are in need, 
we're going to solve most of our problems on this planet. You know, it doesn't need half of our money. It's probably like 5% of what we, what we have. So if we can create the flow of happy money to make this planet work, you know, we can change our planet in just in month, one month. But yes. we have to have this uh, planetary shift in consciousness about money. That's why I'm so excited about writing this book. Yes. So I don't need anything financially anymore, but I, this is my contribution to the world. And then uh, along the way, uh, if you transform your relationship with money, you have a totally different life because once you feel secure about life, you then wonder, you know, I was so uh, scared and stuck with where I was, but once I'm free of money, it's not like I'm a millionaire, but, you know, maybe I can do something uh, that, uh, that's that been in my mind for many years. Maybe I'll follow my heart. But that's what I did 18 years ago, started writing books. And then, you know, I've been enjoying my life so much more than I, I was being an accountant. Now, I, I've, I've heard you say, but I'd, I'd love to hear it directly from you, that uh-huh. it was your wife getting pregnant with your daughter. Am I remembering this yeah. right? That first yes. had you sort of move away from your accounting career and take a step yeah, back? I thought, you know, just about a few weeks was my original idea. But after a few weeks, I really enjoyed it. So I extended to a month and two months and three months. And I started to speak very slowly. My friends worry about me because my I was speaking like this. And then because you know I had nothing else to do. And then that one month uh, extended to be four years of retirement. And during the four retirement, I had the opportunity to uh, watch my uh, daughter uh, speak, stand. You know, uh, I've, I've seen all kinds of fun stuff that a fa- any father would probably dream of. Uh, but you know, usually when a young father um, has a baby, they'll be so diff- uh, you know, hard, busy uh, making a living. So I was very fortunate to do that. Ken? Yes. Oh, I thought there was a bump in the internet there. Um, okay. But that also afforded you the time to think about what you wanted to do next, and and that led to writing your first book, did it not? Yes. And during um, the semi-retirement, I I had a dream when my daughter was about two, I think. You know, in my dream, she was like 18 or 19, piercing everywhere. You know, she became like a rebellious teenager, and she said to me, Daddy, you may have little money, but, you know, you're not contributing to the world. That's so embarrassing, you know, like, and then I just woke up and then my daughter was two. And I made up my mind one day, you know, I'll just uh, do something to contribute to the world. So my daughter would be so proud. So uh, I didn't know what to do. But uh, a couple of years later, I found my uh, true passion, which is to inspire people around money. And you set off to write 55 books about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought I'd become a writer. Uh, when I uh, thought of uh, becoming a writer, I went to a bookstore and just did a quiz on the book, How to Become an Author. And uh, like uh, when you were a ch- child, did, did you like, you know, reading the book? No. Uh, can you name like 20 uh, famous authors? No. And I got, I scored zero in this, you know, <laughs> like you're... <laughs> 
how how like likely you be a, an author. And then my short dream, uh, uh, my my dream of becoming an author, uh, was just ended after five minutes, <laughs> and took me another year to really start writing. Wow. So if you have a book in your hand, I encourage you to start writing. Yes, that's what、I've, I did.、Uh, you know, it's interesting. I never thought I'd be an author.、Um, mm-hmm. I have dyslexia, and so even reading for me is is challenging. Mm-hmm. And、um, you know, I've now written two books, and I couldn't agree with、yes. you more. If you're somebody who feels like you have that in you,、uh, doing it is an extraordinary thing. And, and I will write a third book.、Um, Please, yeah, it really is a wonderful、uh, gift. And it, it, it I mean, I, I'm so blown away. Your writing style is it is such an excellent book you've written, and to think that it's your first book in English.、Mm-hmm. Uh, So Ken, I wanted to also ask you. You you've broken this,、um, the six reasons people want money down in a very interesting right. way.、Um, right. Can, can you walk me through maybe a couple of these that you think you'd like to highlight? Yeah, you know the reason why everybody wants money is like we tie、uh, in our psychological,、uh, uh, in our psych,、um, in our mind, we tie security with money. If we have money, we feel secure. So, but that's a bad thing to do because without money, we feel insecure. But a lot of people do that. That's why we cannot stay away from. We cannot leave the job we don't like, and and we fight over money、uh, because your partner always spends in a bizarre way. You know, I've done a lot of couple counseling, and I have all the funny stories to share that your husband or a wife, you know. Usually have a different spending pattern that just irritates you so much. So once you just tie、uh, money with security, that is the cause of all the trouble in your life. Yeah. And、uh, so one of the ones you mention here that I think is very、yes. interesting is、mm-hmm. to get back at others. Yes. Yes. That's what we are so good at. You know. Uh, since we have money wounds、uh, from childhood, we want to just feel good about、uh, having control over money. That's why we spend too much. That's why we become so uh, pretentious. Uh, when we go to a, a store, you know, I talk to thousands of people every time, and I ask people, you know, be honest, how many of you have done shopping? Uh, because you wanted to look good, you know, for the shopper and attendant, and all of us raise our hands. So you know, we we buy things because he or she is like, "Wow, that looks so great on you." And even though we don't want to buy it, she looks good, he looks good, and we want to、uh, have some, you know, respect or like good attention. So we buy things、uh, out of that feeling, and then. Uh, like I have an、uh, an acquaintance who is a self-made millionaire, but he was very poor. So whenever he goes to a restaurant, he says,、uh, "Bring me the most expensive wine to me." You know, so like you know, you know those those guys. Yes,、so、I know those guys well. <laughs> yeah, imp- trying to impress with the、uh, expensive sports cars and fl- flashy clothes and all sorts of things. But in fact, you feel so insecure inside. So no matter. How expensive?、Uh, how many bottles of expensive wines you order? 
you feel like you're miserable inside. But to you know, to show off, to show that you're good, you're okay, is killing you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I, you know, so there okay. is part of me, the sort of uh, street fighting punk rock part of me. Mm-hmm. There is part of me that loves that expression, success is the best revenge, right? Yes, yes. And, and there, there's also part of me that's like, you know, I got thrown out of school at 18 and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So there's part of me, when I go to like speak at Stanford and I walk uh-huh. onto the campus, like I just, in, in my mind, I'm sort of saying, you know, fuck you to my old school in, in, in Montreal <laughs> that threw me out of school. Yes, it's exactly. like, yeah, well, I wasn't good enough for you, but I'm good enough to speak at Stanford, you bastards, you know? And so there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of that that I, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me, Ken, but I think it, a little mm-hmm. bit of that's a, okay. <laughs> yeah. I respect you. You're so honest, but n- not all of us are that honest. So instead we try to, you know, we, we have a sneaky way of getting attention from other people i'm not confused that i'm mother Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) so we do that all the time so look around and when we shop we do that so yeah now i wanted to go back to this notion of karoshi if i could because to me Mm -hmm. it's 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 and maybe I'm, you'll tell me how you think about it, but yeah. Um, first of all, I, I've read the definition, but tell me how you think of the word, what it means. Uh, karoshi means working too much until death, till you fall. And that's uh, a, a Japanese uh, word. And it's so sad to see it happens. You know, we're, you, you feel so obligated to work and then you feel so insecure about money. So, you, you work uh, till you drop. And we don't have to do that. But uh, like a, a work addiction is uh, the, the only addiction sort of like acceptable in the world. You know, if you're addicted to drug, sex, and other things, that's bad. But a workaholic is the only kind of acceptable out of all the other, you know, addiction. So, uh, but in, in the essence is that we are so afraid of not making money, we're not doing it right. So that's why we work to, till we drop. And it's not a healthy attitude to work. And it's not only in Japan, but you know, uh, not, being able to, not being able to leave the work you don't like is also another way of uh, just uh, 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 disturbing your integrity. Yeah, I mean, it's such a horrible thing when we hear people work a 30, 40 year, sometimes 50 year, but certainly 20, 30, 40 year career doing something they didn't like and they were mm-hmm. miserable the whole time. Yes. It, it, and it, a lot of people die a few years after their retire, retirement. Yes. And so this is another reason I think having a conversation about your relationship with money is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, in America over the last several years, there's been, particularly in the entrepreneurial self-help world, there's been a lot, this, this word hustle shows up all the time. You got to hustle, hustle, mm-hmm. hustle. And yeah. you have these, these um, I call them entrepreneurial porn star guys who are out evangelizing that you got to out hustle mm-hmm. everybody and work yeah. all the time. And, uh, you know, nobody ever, I've heard them say this, nobody ever worked themselves, you know, to death. And, and, and I look at it and I go, you guys are out of your minds. You don't even know what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. here's the thing that um, I think is going on. I think we're sort of getting it backwards. Mm-hmm. In my mind, Ken, the purpose of money 
is so that we can fund the life that we want for ourselves and for others. And there's, there's a real joy that can come with that if we, if we can build a healthy relationship, if we can have happy money. Yes. Um, and I know as a man, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I'm, maybe it's the same, but certainly as a man, I feel a drive to, to be a protector, to be a provider. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, and this, you tell me if this is too esoteric for you, but men that I know who get to about the age of 40, maybe somewhere between 40 and 50, mm-hmm. who have not achieved a level of success in their own mind, that is to say, they don't feel maybe they're as respected by their peers as they would like to be. They don't feel maybe they're as good of a provider to their family as maybe they wanted to be, uh, et cetera. They don't feel they've achieved some of the things in their, their, their life that they wanted to. Um, those sorts of things. Men, anyway, who are like that at that age are very broken. Yes. And so there's something about being a man. And again, maybe it's true for women. I just mm-hmm. don't, don't know that. But uh, where becoming a good provider, feeling like you've achieved mm-hmm. some level of success and, and respect uh, amongst your peer group who do what you do, that you're generally admired for being good at what your job is and you can provide for your family and, and so forth, that this is part of self-actualization, actually. It's yes. part of your own having a, a healthy life, a successful life. Um, and in that context, the purpose of money is to help those things along the way. Yes. And what I, what, I, what I wonder is, are we getting it backwards? That is to say, money is a, is a source of um, all these good things that, you're, that you write about and yes. therefore can bring a lot of self-actualization and, and satisfaction in one's life. Um, and that's the purpose of money. When we get stuck and we think the purpose of money is to deal with our wounds, or is yes. to just 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 outwork everybody so that we can win on some scorecard, mm-hmm. then we end up in a a more Karoshi mindset. At least mm-hmm. that's how I connect these dots. But I'm very very curious how right. you connect these dots. Yeah. So about the men who feel underachieved, uh, you know, w- w- um, during the semi retirement, I didn't wear a suit, so my neighbors thought I was unemployed. So like, I could really feel their like pitying eyes, like, oh, sorry, you know, you're not, you're not employed. And I feel like unemployed too, even though I had enough money, but like I, I was feeling so bad in the middle uh, of, during the uh, daytime, you know, a lot of young guys like me working in a good suit. And I, here I was, I was just, you know, uh, pushing the baby stroller. Like I feel so, so I feel so miserable. So I understand what it was. So, uh, you know, you have to really cut yourself out from the standard of uh, society worth, worthy system. Because unless you cut off um, yourself from judging other people or being judged, you lose peace of mind so easily, you know. Uh, and, and then that disturbs your mind and that leads to, to depression. So I think you really have to make your own rules of finding happiness, uh, no matter what. And, and then um, about, about the work, you know, it doesn't really matter how much you, money you make, but you have to be peaceful with uh, how you work. 
And it's about energy. You know, I'm, my second book is about happy work, but um, you have to have uh, an energy you like uh, while you work. You know, when you, when you think about the quality of your work uh, or, or life in general, it's the energy you have around you. You know, that's why happy money is super important. Happy money is money that gives you joy. And happy work is also something that gives you joy and sense of accomplishment. It doesn't have to be a huge success, but you have to feel successful inside. At least you're contributing to the world. And the feeling is what counts. It's nothing outside. It's the inside job. So you don't have to you know, go with a, a society uh, um, scale. You have to feel peaceful. That's more like Zen to me. And if you can find peace and happiness within you, it doesn't really matter how much you think. It's so fascinating to me to have a conversation about peace, happiness, and money. Yes. It's just not a conversation my, you hear very often. Okay, that's my forte. Yeah. So let, let's say I was skeptical. I'm actually not. Yes. Let's just say uh -huh. I was skeptical. I go, sure. What, what are you freaking talking about here, buddy? Yeah. What, what does peace and happiness have to do with money? Mm -hmm. You know, as a matter so, of fact, yeah. most of the people you hear about with lots of money are, yeah. you know, these evil characters on Wall Street or evil <laughs> characters yeah. in Silicon Valley or, you know, these Darth Vader-y type dude <laughs> doing Darth Vader-y type shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are two kinds of happy, uh, wealthy people. Happy, wealthy people and unhappy, wealthy people. Happy, wealthy people are the ones who made their money by doing what they love. So they already enjoy Then money followed them. So, uh, you know, if you have a choice, which course would you take? You know, doing what you love and the money follows you or just doing what you don't like and money, there may be money or may not be. So I, I recommend that uh, doing what you love um, in your life because that gives you a lot of energy and that's a better, that gives you the most chance to be able to succeed in life too. If you what just, if I say, um, hey, I love to yeah. surf. Mm -hmm. but I'm never going to be a professional surfer. Yeah. Um, so, but I, wanna, I would love to be paid to surf for a living, but I'm not good enough to make it to the pros. So what do I do? Yeah. Ken? How do I connect these dots? Yeah. If you're a singer, it's the same thing. I love singing, but if other people don't like you singing, you're, it's a hobby. <laughs> so, you know, if it's a hobby, that doesn't and in the case of singing, maybe it's one you should only do in your your house or your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because otherwise it's a nuisance, right? But you know, the interesting thing is that there must be something else. And and I have a friend who who wanted to do cooking, you know, but that uh, that wasn't his um, like uh, his profession, right? He was a IT engineer. But I asked. I, in my seminar, I talk about follow your heart. So he came up with cooking, but he wasn't becoming a chef, right? So, but he took a cooking lesson and then he met this business partner in this cooking class. So uh, if you do follow your heart, that will lead you to the way. So if you like surfing, go surf. 
but don't just you know stay in water、uh, because you might bump into somebody、uh, who's going to invest in you. So you have to find some other things too. And if you combine what you love and the second love and the third love, you find something else. You know that's what life is so full of mystery. You know it's not that simple. Go surf and make a lot of money. It doesn't go that way. But if you love singing, if you go to karaoke, you might bump into an investor for the future. So you know,、um, follow your heart no matter what. And then, but you have to be open to other opportunities, and you have to be realistic about your gifts of surfing and singing and cooking. Because、uh, you know,、um, what I found out is that you can't make a profession out of one gift. There has to be a combination of many gifts. And if you are good at one thing and do do it with、uh, other things, that's usually when you find the golden profession for you. Ken, I just think you shared something that's so freaking important.、Mm-hmm. When people, ha- particularly for those of us who haven't found our thing, but even you know, for myself, you know, I felt like I found my things a long time ago. But you're so right that life. Is often the result of wonderful serendipity. Yes, and you say, well, but how can you make that happen? And I've never quite heard somebody put it as、um, simply and clearly as you just did. I go、uh-huh. to things that interest me, that I'm passionate about, that f- I follow my heart. And even if I'm not ever going to be making a living as a singer or a surfer. Mm-hmm. Your point. Maybe I bump into somebody in the water, or、yes. maybe 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 I meet you know a wonderful surf shaper, or yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And 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 the other thing I love about what you said: combine multiple of them. Yes. And in that no, way, I, I, and this is the question. I, I wonder if this is where you're going with this line of thinking.、Mm-hmm. You're sort of taking responsibility for engineering a little bit more of that wonderful serendipity. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've written actually about ten books on this. You know,、uh, <laughs> of、uh, course you have, Ken. <laughs> it's going to come out in English a little later. But to to give you、uh, the preview,、uh, you know, life guides you to、uh, all the fun, interesting uh, uh, way. Uh, I, one of my students was an insurance salesperson. He loves dogs, and dogs love him. You know those people. When you take a walk, dogs just jump on him, and then、yeah. he's like that. And one time, he he was doing a cold calls to in homes, and then、uh, there was like a house, big house, says what you know, beware of dogs. And then he's a German Shepherd, and and then he loved dogs, so he goes in and just hugged the dog. So the owner came out and just super surprised because he wasn't barking at him, and then he she thought. He's a good man, so he、uh, she invited him in into her house, and she found out、uh, that you know uh, uh, her dog loves this guy, so she trusted him immediately, and she got a contract, and she's、uh, like a boss in the neighborhood, and she introduced her、uh, her neighbors, and she got the top salesperson.、Uh, he became the top salesperson, and after that, he got this idea. Of uh, uh, clients who love dogs, so he does a lot of events around dogs, and then、uh, all his clients get uh, uh, in, uh, introduced、uh, by him. And what he does is just enjoying dogs, and then he becomes a best-selling,、um, you know, top insurance salesperson, and ended up being a, a million-dollar table. 
But, you know, just loving dogs and being loved by dogs doesn't give you millions of dollars, right? But if you combine with sales, you, you can make a lot of money. So I have all the fun stories, and um, I've written so many books on this, uh, but uh, it's going to come out hopefully soon. So I, I, I teach people uh, not only happy money, but how to combine your gifts and how to, how, to become, how to make a career out of it. That way, it's a shortest cut to financial independence, and that's what I teach wow. in Japan and hopefully in, in the world. Well, maybe when um, that book comes out in English, I'd love yes. to have you back, Ken. You are <laughs> an absolute gem of a human being. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I really enjoy sharing this because I've made so many millionaires and people, uh, not necessarily millionaires, but who are comfortable with money. And once you have this uh, beautiful relationship with money, you know, you start following your heart. And that is the most important thing. You don't, you don't have to be a super millionaire, but if you make a living out of what you love and spend time with your family, that's a beautiful life. So I recommend everybody to transform your uh, relationship with money and just start living your life. Amen. Hallelujah, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. Anything else you want to touch on? So uh, once again, I just want to say uh, to have happy money, it doesn't cost you anything. Arigato your money. Thank your money when it comes in and it goes out. When you spend it, also say thank you because the, uh, it, you get something, a goods or services by, uh, with your money. So you're getting something with your money. So there is a, a reason to appreciate that you're paying to uh, the money. So appreciate money always, and, and you'll, you'll realize, you'll be amazed that you, you forget to worry about money and life. So be in gratitude, and you, you'll be in heaven. I love it. And you know, one of the things, uh, I forget if it was in the book or maybe in a podcast, but I, mm-hmm. you definitely said it, if not wrote it. You told mm-hmm. a story about um, someone in your life who was proclaiming their joy for paying taxes. Yes, that's my, uh, my mentor, Wahei Takeda. It is your mentor, okay. Yes, yes. And, um, I just thought, it, it, you know, because I bitch about taxes and how uh-huh. much tax we pay. But when I uh, read you said that, or heard you say that, I can't remember which, I thought, you know what? Um, look, I don't want to pay any uh, dime more in taxes than I, than I need to. But yeah. to your point, you know what? I really appreciate it that when... Um, there's a problem in our neighborhood. Um, the the fire guys show up, right? The, mm-hmm. the fire service shows up. I really appreciate. We, we generally have wonderful roads. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, and you start to go through all of the things that our taxes pay for, right? Yes. Um, and you know, I appreciate the country that we live in. I appreciate the mm-hmm. services that we have. I appreciate that that I think most of us in our world are trying to be good people and benevolent people. And our taxes in general go to trying to make our world a place that works and that is a, a better place. Now, if you want to get into a conversation about how competent the government is at that, that's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> but what you gave me in that comment was, you know what, it is it, it, paying your taxes when you look at it that way, 
we want the, the benefits of the world that gets created as a result of the taxes. Yes. So just you can appreciate about anything. You know, my, my mentor, Wahei, said he is so happy to pay taxes because that means he had the money. If he made all the money, uh, you know, and, and because of the tax, tax office, his accounting system was, became sophisticated. So he had so many reasons to appreciate. So uh, when it comes to paying bills, you can also appreciate it. You know, when you write checks, you can say, arigato, 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 while you write checks. Or thank you, thank you, thank you, while you write checks. It gives you a good feeling because, the, you know, the, the money you're paying to, some, the money is making somebody happy. And that gives you joy. So next time you, you have a hard time feeling happy about writing you know, checks, just say, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me the opportunity to bless people with my money. That shifts your mindset so much and you just find so much joy and happiness to write, write checks to anybody. You're amazing, Mr. Honda. Thank um, you. Well, thank you so much for this time. Uh, I, as you can tell, I'm a huge fan. I love your work. I, I really appreciate um, that you took the time and the effort to teach yourself English, to teach yourself to write in English and to write <laughs> this book in English so that um, you're, you're no longer just a gem in Japan. You can be a gem elsewhere as well. <laughs> thank you so much, Christopher. This is such a great opportunity. And uh, what an honor to be able to be on your show. And this is such a joy for me to be able to share what I know because um, not only helping me, but I help help uh, so many uh, hundreds of thousands of people start living their life. And Millions. that way, that way we'll have a better, better place in the world, in the, in the, in the world. Well, thank you, Mr. Honda, and uh, you are welcome back anytime. Please, when your next book comes out, uh, uh, I'd love to have you back, and we can uh, we can get more into how people really thank you. design their life and, and make a place thank in the you. world. It's one of my favorite thank topics. You. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it, brother. Bye now. There is the amazing Ken Honda on the podcast, or I should say the oddcast. I sure hope you love that conversation as much as I did. Now, as you know, in business, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And today, more than ever, you want to stay on top of the seminal numbers that, gri- that drive your growth. And that's where my friends at NetSuite come in. Imagine having every critical number you need to manage and grow your business on your smartphone, anytime, anywhere. You don't have to look stuff up. You don't have to call people. Just look at your phone. That's what NetSuite makes happen. With some awesome dashboards, you can stay on top of sales, finance, accounting, inventory, order management, cash flow, and even HR. Thousands of the best-known brands and a huge percentage of the companies going public use NetSuite to manage your business, and now it's available to you, and it's surprisingly cost-effective. Go to netsuite.com different today. And while you're there, as a listener to this podcast, you'll be able to get a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. Check out netsuite.com slash different today. Also, uh, if you want to send us email, always happy to hear from you, blackhole at lockhead.com. And um, I would encourage you to um, 
uh, go when you're at lockhead.com to subscribe. Because even if you subscribe to this podcast on a major podcast player, we don't know you're there. So the only way we know you're there is if you subscribe on lockhead.com. And here's the thing I'll tell you. Number one, we've been working hard to take our newsletter game up. So when we send you stuff, please know we think it's awesome. We think you're going to enjoy reading it. And, um, and it's not crapola. <laughs> Number two, we will never, ever, ever sell your email address to anybody over my dead body. So go to lockhead.com and hit that subscribe button. All right. We would like to thank this amazing new book by Ken Honda called Happy Money. Check it out wherever you pick up legendary books. Our good friends at onelifefullylive.org. Don't forget to go to onelifefullylive.org slash Locket to learn more about our conference in October in Long Beach, California. Niche Down, the number one bestseller on Amazon.com by Heather Clancy and myself. Niche Down, how to become legendary by being different. Growwire.com, uh, learn how to grow yourself and your business. This is where uh, uh, entrepreneurs are checking cool stuff out on the internet. Check out growwire.com. Now, do you want the most important thing we all have back? Some time? And why not check out my friends at Birch, Birch Bleh. You know what? If you're going to do a podcast or an oddcast for that matter, it's always good to know how to talk. Bottleneck Virtual Assistance. This is a great company run by a great group of folks that I know well. Why not leverage the power of a virtual assistant today at bottleneck.online. That's bottleneck.online. And if you, like me, live in beautiful Santa Cruz, California, why not take your fitness to the next level and train like it matters with me and all the other awesome people at ParadigmSport.com. That's ParadigmSport.com. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and we would love it if you shared the shit out of it. I haven't said much about this lately, but um, I do want you to know from the bottom of my heart, your word of mouth, your social shares, your telling people about uh, what we're up to means the world to me. And uh, whenever you do that, please know that um, myself and the about uh, half a dozen folks that are involved with this podcast appreciate it very much. All, all rights do remain disturbed. We must warn you that this podcast is clearly produced in a studio that does contain nuts. Please teach people how to be happy with their money. Remember that going slow in the passing lane in many major states in the United States is illegal. So don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Listen to Van Halen. Do some thinking about thinking. Thank you so much, Candy Dandy. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Dennis Mullenberg, CEO of Boeing. Sorry, Dennis. We just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Stay legendary. I really appreciate you investing part of your life with me. And until we're together again, follow your difference.